From gamers to gamers. Bounty gaming. You wanna be as good as me? Now we have CS, now we have Dota. Oh, this is really exciting. Come on, for the formal, for the game, for money. I'm not a big, big gamer, but I do play. We want you out when we start there. Try that was great. Welcome to Bounty Talk, a podcast brought to you by the fine folks at Bounty, an upcoming gaming platform. Here, we talk about all things gaming, cryptocurrency, and everything in between. Welcome back to Bounty Talk. We've done a bit of like a revamp, like for the past few, the past week actually. And I just want to recap about what we've done um, since the start of January. Uh, we had two interviews. The first one was with Asterisk, um, CSGO, Counter-Strike, Global Offensive. So they're like the first ever all-girls Dota team. And But we spoke to the Counter-Strike um, girls team and they recently just one second for a tournament in China. And we also had, did another interview with a casual gamer, Valerie Quack. Pretty cool. I mean, you guys can actually check the previous episode to see the different um, types of interviews that we've done. Other than that, we have, we've had like different people actually on the podcast. I think on the one that we did with Valerie, I wasn't even on like um, the podcast. So we had different people on the mic. But I'm back, and unfortunately, Jose has, he's still around, but he's been very, 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 very busy. So I decided to drag another co-host um, along like for Bounty Talk, and he is none other than Jonathan, who is the head of content for Bounty. And he's, Yay, I'm here. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> yeah, you're just waiting to jump on, right? Yeah, yeah, just waiting for that nice little cue just to jump in, you know. You gotta, as a presenter yourself, you gotta make sure that you gotta hit all those right notes first and then you bring in the guest. Yeah, exactly. And um, he's, he's such a great person to do a podcast because he's done his own podcast previously. Uh, yeah, it's called The Last King Podcast. Uh, you can actually find it on thelastking.net. How do you you also that? find it on SoundCloud. So it's The Last King. Oh. T-H-E-L-A-S-T-K-I-N-G and then podcast. Cool, cool. And so like for Bounty Talk, most of the time it's just going to be both of us. Occasionally, um, Jose will jump on again, bringing his enthusiasm back to Bounty. His and brand of awesomeness. Yeah, his brand of awesomeness. So um, let's just start with you, Jonathan. Since nobody, um, not nobody knows you. But <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. Nobody you. knows me. It's fine. I'm still like a little quiet. Because I've always been like in hiding for quite a bit here and there. Um, yeah, so where should I start? I mean, maybe, where do, you want to, where do you want to find out more about me? Do you want to go way back at the beginning when I started? Or maybe halfway through, which is the best? Well, maybe more about who you are. Okay, yeah. I'm okay. For my current role, I'm Jonathan Leo Toyat. I am from Malaysia and I worked in Singapore for like the past nine years. I just started at Bounty literally a few days ago at this time of recording. So what I do is I'm the head of content guy. I make sure that there's a direction for the blog and also for the PowerPoint presentations that we do in the future, as well as what we're going to be writing in terms of copy and whatever vision that Bounty has, which is about cryptocurrency and gaming. Like It's all combined together for a platform that makes sure that people play, play games and, get, and then get paid for it. So I have to make sure that whatever we talk about on the site, 
either where it's on the blog or whatnot, we have to make sure that this actually follows the competitive direction that we have. Right? We, we will write about games, of course, yeah. We'll write about whatever that is actually relevant to our platform, which is in this case, Counter-Strike, Global Offensive, and Dota 2. Everyone knows about Dota 2 and Counter-Strike Go. So we have to we definitely focus on those two titles. Having said that, we can also branch out to other competitive games. Like if there's anything interesting about Vainglory or even about Overwatch, two really hot games right now, then we'll talk about those as well when we get a chance. At the same time, we also bring up about thoughts about our thoughts and about our hints on cryptocurrency. Different things here and there. So, if you want to know about my history, I guess we could start now, I believe. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, did, perfect time. I know, I, I saw the script, I was like, okay, I should talk about my job last, but somehow that came up first for some reason. So, go with the flow, man. Yeah, go with the flow. Alright, I like that, I like that. So, on when I started, I started this whole business of writing about video games in 2008. Though technically it was more like 2007, six when I started working in Vancouver, quite a while ago. So there was this little site called darkdiamond.net. They're tiny, but they came out around the same time as Kotaku did when they were really starting in their infancy, looking for news and looking for stuff to write about. So the director for that site actually wanted to follow those veins, but more of a pop culture note. So I started writing about Okami, I started writing about different video games here and there. Okami is this video game on the PS2 about a dog who is actually a celestial goddess, but she basically had to start from scratch at the ground zero as a dog who can actually paint, you know, different items here and there to actually complete quests. It's actually based off Japanese mythology. Really cool game. If you guys haven't played it yet, it's out on PC right now on Steam. You should go get that right now. It came out in December. Please get that. So I wrote on darkdiamond.net as did a bunch of reviews, did a bunch of write-ups here and there. And then I took that as a portfolio of sorts because I was actually writing for free at the time. <laughs> yeah, I was actually, I actually had another job at Vancouver, a graphic designer. So this was more like, I want to get my foot in the door somehow, but I need a portfolio. So Dark Diamond was that portfolio. So I, after a bit of a personal thing that happened in Vancouver two years later or so, it was around 2000, the tail end of 2007 where I was back in Malaysia. I was like looking for a job. So I tried to apply for Game Access in Malaysia. They weren't actually looking, unfortunately. However, I did some research and it turns out Game Access at the time, I mean, I did not know this back then, that Game Access was actually a publication in Singapore. Malaysia was just a branch off, you know, it was like a subsidiary of sorts. Right. So I decided to just apply for the Singapore branch. And wouldn't you know it, a few days later, they actually were looking for writers. I took a bus down for the interview on the same day I actually went back as well. I got the interview done and everything at Iraja Crescent. I believe back then before they had Fusionopolis and back then before they had Timber Plus at the area. It was so desolate over there. It's like a factory area. So after that, I went back home. Um, I actually got myself a copy of Guitar Hero Legends of Rock Part 3. Guitar Hero <laughs> 3. Because I had to carry the whole guitar thing all the way from Singapore to Malaysia. Because they were selling it on the cheap over in Singapore. So waited a few days and then yeah, I got the job and uh, just started my career from there. So I worked at Game Access for about three years. I just wrote a lot of things here and there and traveled quite a bit. Went to E3. It was my first taste of E3 and Tokyo Game Show. Really good stuff. Um, and I also get to interview a bunch of guys like Will Wright who did The Sims and SimCity. He was actually promoting Spore at the time. So the best time to interview the guy then now, right? And um, I also interviewed Cliff Plezinski, he did Gears of War. Uh, but at the time he was actually, 
halfway create uh, making Gears of War 2 before it came out. And I also interviewed the team who did Deus Ex Human Revolution. This was like a year before it came out, so I was actually at the Montreal when uh, what was that company, uh, Idols Montreal was still around. Uh, actually, they're still around, sorry. They, they, when they're there, that I went to the offices, check it out. Really nice place. I mean, apparently Idols Montreal and Ubisoft Montreal were like next to each other. So it's like whoever was working at Idols when they leave the job, they're actually working at Ubisoft. And whoever left Ubisoft probably is working at Idos. <laughs> so it's like a little back and forth thing going on. Because at the time, those were the only two big companies at Montreal. Cool. And that was actually my first taste of um, seeing a hockey game riot, apparently. That was actually the Montreal Quebec. Sorry, the Montreal Canadiens fighting against a team. I think it was probably the Vancouver BC guys, the Sharks, I believe. I forgot the team names. And after that fight happened, that was actually a riot that sort of happened outside. But unlike an American riot, a Canadian riot, I think there were just a few broken glasses. No one was bleeding, no one was critically injured, there was no police involved. It was just basically people making a lot of rowdy noises. I mean, Canadians are very nice. Uh, that was a stereotype. <laughs> um, I know a friend of mine who got robbed by a Canadian and they were actually polite like okay this is actually a stick what the robber actually said to my friend was this is a stick up please put down your wallet all that we'll just make it nice and slow and then we'll just take it out, are take you it yes yes and then all my friend did was actually took out the money from his wallet and he did not want all this extra jewelry and stuff the robber was just nice enough to state that oh wow yeah it was crazy it was crazy very surreal for him so anyway after that game access then I got an offer to work at GameSpot because they were actually opening up a GameSpot Asia branch together with the Australian team and the UK team. Because at the time before they had the new direction in 2014, they wanted to actually branch out with two different countries first to see, to experiment. And I actually was the guy who actually covered all the Japanese JRPGs and all the different sorts of Asian games that actually came out. So whatever they came out in Japan or Singapore or other parts of Asia or even Korea, that's my beat. Everyone else from the GameSpot US side, they covered the US games. GameSpot UK, because they get Nintendo games quicker, they covered Nintendo. So we had different parts here and there. It was actually fun. It was actually my first time actually working at an international scale where I have to be awake for a meeting in about early in the morning, but I have to also cover beats late at night sometimes. Sometimes. And then there are times where we actually travel and then once at E3, I actually we actually were in a really big office where we worked in like a war room of sorts. So imagine this space which we're recording, except twice as large. And then there were tables where it was just us doing video editing work and also writing and also doing presentations on the spot in the corner. There's always going to be a, a seat there at the corner where we actually have to start recording and doing presentations for games. Like, let's say we cover a game on E3 on the spot. We straight away rush all the way down to the war room and make sure that we actually cover it in video form where I present, where me and another journalist actually talk about the game in question for about three, four minutes. And because these games are really fresh, there's not much to talk about except hype it up. La. <laughs> so it actually worked out pretty well. So is, is that like a soundproof kind of room or? Uh, no, no, no. This is actually all done live. It's just that the mics and everything were all tuned to actually cover us live. Cool. So there's actually like a bunch of spotlights at the corner. There's a white screen at the back and there were two benches or stools and we were just talking back and forth. We actually had to clip on the Sennheiser mics, you know, the lapel mics. Mm -hmm. We clip it to our shirts and make sure that we are just talking the way we talk, like we present and then we talk. It was very live. 
But that's nothing compared to what my other colleagues did. My other colleagues, Daniel Dwyer and a few others, they're actually present uh, Chris Waters as well. They're actually presenting at the show floor itself at E3. We were at the war room and the A team were at the the main floor where they're basically having interviews with developers on the spot itself live. So imagine a talk show except mm-hmm. live and at E3. Cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Just yeah, seeing them work. Very, very, yeah, that sounds like very big uh, production. Very, very huge production value. So people, whoever think, thought that we were just there at E3 to play games, no, <laughs> we are wrong. Yes, we do play a bit of games, so we actually watch the developer play it more. And we actually have to talk to the developer and write about it at the end of the day. Because this information for editorial, not us, needs to be out really quick, like on the day itself, or worst case scenario, on the, the one day after. One right, day it's after. like a news flash kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, we gotta make sure we're the first, or at least we cover the beats in a really specific angle within that time frame. I think that's very important. If you want to trend, if you want to be like viral, you have to be the first. If you're like the 10th person to write about it. Yeah, it, it's not so good. It's not so good. Yeah. But I'm happy that I'm in this position at Bounty because we don't have to worry too much about getting stuff out really quick. I'd rather we just get it out in the best way possible because we're not a new site. We actually have a product upcoming. Yeah. And to actually build on the hype or also build on the on a structure for our community to read. We have to, we as content creators have to make sure that whatever content we create is in sync with our vision of the product itself. Yeah, I completely agree. So I do have a question. So you're, you're a, like avid gamer, you love the game. Quite a lot actually. But I mean, based on your jobs where you're meeting other game developers, like you're interviewing all these um, big names, right? Does that give you any perks? Uh, perks like maybe free games or like free like be the first to try out different things oh yeah yeah definitely um yeah so regarding perks well here's the funny thing the games that we get for free yes they're free but at the same time we're obligated to actually cover them or at least report on them in some capacity or form because um, the people who are actually giving the products out uh, they have PR people who actually keep track of these things if you're not reviewing the games there's a chance that they may kind of forget that you existed, in a sense. So it's kind of our job to make sure that we play it, we know about it, we can write a preview about it, and if we're reviewing it, we make sure that we try our best to at least, at least reach 6, 70, 80% of the game. Like, for example, Destructoid, if I recall, they don't actually need to finish the game, but some of the editors kind of want to. For GameSpot, it's mandatory you finish it. Like. Just see the ending, all that. Like for example, for Batman Arkham Asylum, you don't actually need to get 100%. You just need to play through the game, about a few hours, 20 hours would be good. Like you play some of the side stuff they have, like you know, helping out um, some of the criminals in Arkham Asylum. But you gotta make sure to see the ending, you gotta fight the last boss and see how the difficulty is like from there so you can get the whole experience. Then from there, you just review it, pretty much. Nowadays, in this day and age where Twitch, YouTube allows streaming, nowadays reviews are more like, I play this, you watch me play the video uh, through YouTube or Twitch. There's nothing that I, I mean, if I want to, uh, as a consumer myself, there's nothing I can't do that, you know, if I want to find out about the game, I can just click on YouTube, I just click on Twitch and see this guy play like maybe 10 minutes and I'll be like, is this the game for me? I'll maybe just see for an hour and then 
that will tell me that's enough information to let me know whether this game is for me or not. And there are even some playthroughs where there's no commentary if you don't like the guy's squeaky voice or very nasally-like voice. So there you go. I mean, that's enough as a review. So as editors for these kind of sites, I have to step up to make sure that we have to disseminate the content the best way possible because I cannot do it like what I did back in 2013 or 12. Right, definitely. Like, the media has changed. Yeah, it has changed quite a lot. A lot. Like, now we've got people like Angry Joe, we've got people like Pro Jared who actually come out with good videos and good reviews because it's all video-based. It's short to digest. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, in a way, I'm kind of sad I don't get to do this as much, but I'm glad because I don't have to worry about pushing this out on time and burning sleepless nights on this. Yeah, okay, and then moving on, um, what is your favourite game to play? Wow, that is a very loaded and tough question. I mean, uh, I don't want to sound like one of those guys where, okay, you know, I'll say games, like plural, plural. I cannot pick one at all. <laughs> so I'll just start with my favorite, like the one that I started off back then. Definitely Mega Man 3. See, the funny thing is I actually owned a Mega Drive back then in the 90s, but I actually went back to get, to or at least make friends with people who have, who have Nintendo, the old NES, the 8-bit NES. So Mega Man 3 actually piqued my curiosity because it was this guy who actually can pick any stage he wants and then just play and then just fight like different guys like Snake Man or Hard Man or Needle Man or whatnot. And then he's got that little cute Japanese aesthetic, you know, like and it's also balls out hard, you know, like it it challenges your platforming skills, your boss fighting skills, your reflexes. That's why I like about Mega Man 3. People say they like part two better, but I like part three because of its scope. Because it was much bigger, it was more grand, it was more epic. And the music was better too. Okay. Arguably, arguably. This is like a big contest that retro geeks like me have. Like, is Mega Man 2 better than Mega Man 3? Like, they're both great. But I just prefer <laughs> part 3 because I started off with that. Now, um, okay, in 2017, one of my favorite games is definitely Near Automata from Square Enix. So it's a story about robots trying to figure out whether they're real or what, what humanity is. But the game itself is an action game where you're basically doing combos on robots, you're attacking enemies left and right, and then suddenly it turns into a 2D shooter, and then later on it turns into a hacking minigame. And it goes back and forth here and there, like a shooter action game like Bayonetta and Devil May Cry. And also switches to a hacking minigame where the music suddenly turns into an 8-bit version of itself. And it's really cool, and the music's also really beautiful as well. Like, you've got, you've got these Actress, I mean, you got this vocalist hired to actually sing in a different um, made-up language in the game's universe itself, and it sounds beautiful. That's why, I, I don't know, it's like, it's, it, the color palette, everything, it's like kind of muted, but I think it's purposely done so, so that you can see the bleakness of what this world is, what Earth is, you know, when these robots actually come down to, to rid the world of other robots so humanity can, can come back down again. And what I like about this game as well is all the plot twist turns that comes and bombards you when you play through the game. Like, in one scenario you play as this robot called 2B, another scenario you play as 9S, and then there's another scenario that comes in where you play the both of them together, and then you play another character who I won't mention at all because, I mean, another robot somehow. And then it actually culminates together. It actually ties in full circle about what it means to be human, as well as the fate of the robots you're controlling. 
I'm not gonna say more because it's such a beautiful game. Game of the year. <laughs> you don't wanna spoil game it. Game of the year. Yeah, the I don't game? wanna spoil anything. Yeah. It sounds it's, like a movie actually. Yeah, it is, it is. In fact, it actually shares a bit with Blade Runner than anything, except in that style where apparently your robots are dressed up in a black dress and in the black kind of outfits because that's how robots are in that universe. Cool. And they have katanas and they have like uh, fist weapons, they got giant hammers. And the 9S character I mentioned, he can actually use an attack which actually hacks into a robot and that's when the hacking minigame I mentioned comes up. And it's just a simple thumbstick shooter, twin stick shooter. It's really cool. And really cool where can sense. you find like this game? Oh, it's on PS4 and also on PC. You can get it via Steam. Okay, cool. I cool. think there was a Steam sale that happened a few weeks ago. You can actually get it for, uh, at the time, you could actually gotta get it for half price. Yeah. And Bounty was giving away a Steam gift card oh, if you guys yeah, missed yeah, that. That's, awesome. <laughs> that's really good. Like if you have that gift card, yeah. If you haven't bought Nier yet, please buy Nier Automata. It's yeah. beautiful. It's a beautiful game. So um going back to Bounty Talk, even though we have this uh we have Jonathan as our new co-host, we'll we'll still be talking about gaming and cryptocurrency. Um that hasn't changed, it's just like a new voice. Same I was thinking you actually you can actually we can do like a trade system. I talk about games, you also chip into because I remember you told me you like Halo quite a bit, right? Yeah, I love Halo. It's um not I haven't played the new one because like I I don't uh, don't bother, Halo. don't bother. Just go back to Halo Reach and Halo 4. Those are the better Halos. <laughs> but anyway, the point is yeah, you can I can talk about games and you can also enlighten me about cryptocurrency. Bounty is a gaming platform, so yeah. um when it's topics relating to gaming, like definitely you um you'll be the one taking the lead and I'll be I'll be like kind of like the skeptic realist, like you know, questioning your gaming decisions and things like that. Of course, of course. I welcome any sort of uh, debate or argument as long as there's something that comes out of it. Yeah. And I'll be uh, touching more on the cryptocurrency side, bounty updates and also like what ICO is all about. So um, is there anything else you, you'd like to add? I don't think so. I'm actually looking forward to working more at bounty to see where we can bring content generation to a new level. Okay, uh, that sounds very corny, sorry. <laughs> I, I'm thinking more like, okay, if we're dealing with competitive gaming, we're going to make sure that whatever we write is relevant to our audience and hopefully can get shared, you know? Like, whatever that we write, you know, like, just funnel through there. Yeah, definitely. And before we end off, I would just like to remind everyone, all the listeners, that the dates of our pre-sale ICO has changed to 26 February 2018. So... We are really like excited about that. So like I I am. I'm not sure how right. excited you are. Like because you're new to Totally, really good. I'm just waiting to see how I can get my first few coins from playing a few games of Dota 2. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I I, I mean, I'm actually tired about Dota 2, so I'm not gonna get much out of it. <laughs> but this uh, Counter Strike, do you play that? Oh uh, no no no. I'm okay. Yeah, maybe I should just maybe let be a bit more transparent about what I play mm. right now. I mean, apart from Nier and a few other games. Uh, from the competitive scene, I play Street Fighter V, I mean, not very well, but I play, I mean, I keep track of fighting games a lot. I'm actually looking forward to the next Dragon Ball Fighter Z game that's coming out later on this month. And in terms of like other competitive games, I, I've been dabbling into Overwatch quite a bit. So I vow for 2018, I'm going to start getting a little serious and maybe, just maybe, play a bit of the competitive season that's happening right now. For Overwatch. Yeah, Overwatch. Because it's like, you've got your unranked mode and you've got your ranked mode. Right. So we're gonna push Bounty to get Overwatch on. Uh, we'll see, we'll <laughs> see about that. But for now, Dota 2, Counter-Strike, Global Offensive, and we'll see where we go from there. So check out bounty.io slash for more info. This is Atira. And this is Jonathan, aka Mr. Toffee, signing out. <laughs>